This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Dave Anthony. Today, one of the most powerful members of Congress, Jim Jordan, the Ohio Republican who chairs the House Judiciary Committee and is a big player in the Hunter Biden investigations on several fronts. He's demanding more information from Attorney General Merrick Garland on the plea deal that a federal judge refused to accept for the president's son on tax evasion misdemeanors and a felony gun charge. He's also looking into the Hunter Biden business dealings after the testimony of an ex-business associate, Devin Archer, who told the Oversight Committee that Congressman Jordan also serves on that Hunter put his dad, then Vice President Biden, on the phone with business clients about 20 times, saying that the Biden brand helped save Burisma, a Ukrainian energy company Archer and Hunter Biden were on the board of from going out of business. So as you can see, all that and a discussion about Jordan's probe into what Republicans call the weaponization of government against conservatives was far too much to fit into the regular rundown podcast the other day. Well, today we don't have any problem, no time constraints in these extras. One important note, I do reference in this conversation former President Trump, but I never ask the congressman to react to the latest Trump indictment. Well, that's because our conversation was just before that happened. All right, I think I'm done with the setup. Thank you, as always, for listening. And now Jim Jordan on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Joining us again on the Fox News Rundown is Congressman Jim Jordan. He's a Republican from Ohio, also chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, involved in a lot of the different aspects in the Hunter Biden investigation that's been going on in Congress for the last several months. Congressman, first of all, thank you very much for joining us. You bet. Good to be with you, Dave. Let's go into the different layers of this Hunter Biden case, and, and let's begin with what you are attempting to do with this Hunter Biden plea deal. Obviously, that hit a snag in federal court. They're trying to rework this. The judge let it, will let them come back in later in the month of August for another attempt. What do you want to get? Well, I think that the judge uh, kind of hit the nail on the head when she asked in the, in the actual court proceedings, she asked the prosecution team, the government, she says, uh, is, this, is this deal truly unprecedented and his answer was yes it is your honor never see she never seen anything like this and i think that's why she held it up they tried to sneak in the some of the immunity uh in uh, language in the diversion part of the agreement and not in the plea deal itself which just doesn't happen so uh, i thought that was a big takeaway and then of course the other big takeaway and i think in the last month that we've learned is um the story from the biden white house uh, has continued to change as far as the president's involvement with his son's business. And then, of course, the story from the Justice Department has changed multiple times. And the story that hasn't changed, the testimony that's been consistent, is the testimony from Jerry Shapley and Mr. Ziegler, the two whistleblowers 
who came forward, and they have said that specific to this, this case, that David Weiss told Gary Shapley and others in the meeting in October of 2022 that um, Mr. Weiss said that he couldn't bring charges where he wanted to and that he had requested a special counsel status but was denied that by the Justice Department. Mr. Weiss and, the, and Mr. Garland, the attorney general, say something different. And the, the fundamental question is, who are you going to believe? And, again, based on the fact that the whistleblower story has been corroborated by an FBI agent and their consistency and just how credible they appeared in the open hearing, I think the American people believe the whistleblowers. What do you want done in this Hunter Biden criminal case? It's still ongoing, of course. They're still trying to rework this. Do you want that deal off the table entirely? Well, I think the judge will determine that. What we want to know is what really happened, because obviously what the whistleblowers have come for and the reason they came for it, we pointed this out during the hearing a couple of weeks ago, is they're concerned about the equal application of the law. And they see in this situation that has not taken place. It sure looks like that's the case uh, with the agreement they tried to put together, with what the whistleblowers have said, with the changing story from David Weiss. Remember, David Weiss wrote me twice in the month of June. The first letter, he says, I have the ability to bring charges where I want, when I want, and whether to bring them at at all. Uh, Then, literally 23 days later on June 30th, he writes me again and says, I stand by what I wrote, but I want to expand on it. I can't bring charges anywhere except my home district. Well, which one is it? Can you bring them anywhere, anytime, and for whether you want to or not, or are you limited? You can't have it both ways. Again, then he wrote again just a few days later on on July 10th to Senator Graham and said something different to him. that is the concern because, again, in our country, it's supposed to be equal treatment under the law, and that is not what we're seeing um, in this case, and it's not what the judge saw, and it's why she raised the concern she did last week with the plea agreement. So we want to get to the bottom of it. We want to get all the answers. There's a number of people we want to talk to who were involved in the investigation, and we're going to continue to pursue that. All right. Now, as far as Devin Archer is concerned, he spoke behind closed doors with the House Oversight Committee staff and hours worth of questions. The big takeaway, the more than 20 phone calls that he claims that uh, then-Vice President Biden was involved in with Hunter Biden's business uh, clients and associates. You probably knew that was coming, right? I mean, you, you knew yeah. that he was going to say that. Yeah, we expected that. It had been reported in the press. But I think it kind of confirms what we all sort of figured was going on, that, you know, Hunter Biden's out having dinner with, with people he's doing business with, and he puts his dad on the phone and says, hey, would you all like to say hello to the vice president? I mean, that's kind of what we expected, and he confirmed that. But what I think the real takeaway for me was uh, yesterday during the, the, the interview was this meeting that took place in Dubai on December 4th, 2015, between Hunter Biden, the two key people in the um, – uh, in in uh, Burisma, Mr. Zolotevsky, who ran the company, and then the, the other guy, Mr. Bazarski, they and Hunter Biden uh, are meeting uh, along with Devin Archer. And during that meeting, they expressed to Mr. Archer and Mr. Biden, they said, uh, we need help from the U.S. government because we're under all kinds of pressure, pressure from the Ukrainian prosecutor, pressure from Great Britain, who has, you know, sanctioned and, and free, froze some of our money. We're under pressure and we need the help of the U.S. government. And then there's a phone call that takes place that night where they called what Mr. Archer said was D.C. But the key takeaway was five days later, December 9th, 2015, Vice President Biden goes to to Ukraine, gives a speech and criticizes the prosecutor. Literally five days after this conversation, this meeting took place, 
between Burisma and Mr. Uh, Hunter Biden and Mr. Archer. And, of course, Burisma was the company that the prosecutor was investigating in Ukraine, and the vice president criticizes that. So I think that was kind of the key element there. Um, and, again, maybe the bigger takeaway as well is this: what, what we learned from Mr. Archer is not consistent with, this, with what President Biden has said now for a couple of years, that he had no involvement, no knowledge, no, none whatsoever with his this, with this son's business. That's just not the case. All right. Now, as far as the prosecutor goes, President Biden has said many times that that prosecutor was under international scrutiny. There was a global call for him to be removed because of corruption, that it had nothing to do with Burisma or, or anything like that. What do you say to that? Uh, I think the timing of this whole thing is, is suspect, as I just pointed out. And I think, there, of course, there's all kinds of corruption in Ukraine. It's just been one of the most corrupt countries. Uh, the, the ambassadors and, and the, uh, the, the folks we spoke to and the State Department personnel have said that all along. And I think there's also some, some kind of conflating the prosecutor before Mr. Shokin, who Joe Biden wound up starting the process on December 9th and then a few months later was pushing for him to be fired. I think there was sort of conflating that prosecutor with the one before him as well. Um, that, I think, is what, what was, was going on with, uh, with, with the prosecutor there in Ukraine. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. All right, Congressman, I want you to hear one of your Democratic colleagues, what he had to say about Devin Archer and the testimony and those many times that Hunter got his dad, the vice president, on the speakerphone. This is Congressman Dan Goldman. That they never discussed any business on that phone conversations. There were niceties and there was a hello and there we talked about the weather or whatever it was, but it was never any business. Your reaction to that? Uh, I'm not surprised that that's what Mr. Archer testified to. I'm not. I'm not surprised that that these phone calls weren't like, oh, uh, let's let's say, um, hey, Mr. Vice President, can you do X for us? I mean, I, I never expected that. Remember what Mr. Archer said. He said they were the value Hunter Biden brought to the business arrangement was the Biden brand, and the Biden brand was Joe Biden, powerful, influential, uh, political figure in D.C. That was the power. So the power is when you're in these meetings, you, you put the vice president on the phone and he says hello. He doesn't have to say anything else. So I wasn't surprised by that testimony. I guess I was surprised that, that we had never known the extent that Mr. Biden actually showed up at dinners with Hunter Biden's business partners and some of the people they were doing business with. One of these dinners there in Georgetown, Cafe Milano, where you had the, the wealthiest woman in Russia, Elena Baterina, was there, um, the, 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 the wife of the former mayor of Moscow. Um, she was at the dinner. And it wasn't like he stopped by and did the same thing. Hello, say hello. He spent the entire dinner there with, uh, with those people. So I think that, again, was the, the, the value that he brought was the, the Biden brand. And access to the Biden brand is exactly what he brought to the business. And that's, 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 that's uh, and then there were certain actions, obviously, that Mr. Biden took, like the speech in, in Ukraine, 
uh, that I talked about earlier. Okay. Now, four years ago, we went through a whole impeachment drama over then-President Trump's phone call. That was with Ukraine's president at the time, still president, Vladimir Zelensky, supposedly leaning on him for help getting information on Biden for his re-election campaign. And that was a whole drama that played out for months and months. Would Republicans be willing to try to impeach President Biden over those phone calls, niceties and, and the weather and that kind of thing? Well, I mean, I think the speaker uh, has, has said now uh, multiple times that we're going to do our work. Uh, we're going to do our investigation that we're required to do under the Constitution. Um, and if, if, in fact, the facts keep driving us to a point where uh, an impeachment inquiry status is, is necessary, then the speaker said we will go there. Um, and, uh, but I think it's all driven by the investigation and the facts and the evidence that we uncover in the course of the investigation. Each day we learn something more. And I would, I would tell you, what we learned yesterday, I think, gave new light to the, the attempted plea agreement uh, that, that the judge stopped last week. Because remember, that plea agreement kept out the 2014-2015 tax years, which was all about the Burisma money that was coming into uh, Hunter Biden and to his, his partners. So uh, I think that, that sort of because so much of what we learned yesterday was about the dealings with Burisma, this meeting that took place in Dubai in December 4th that I referenced earlier uh, of 2015. Um, I think, I think it's, it kind of ties those two things together. And you see what the Justice Department is up to, which is, I think, a real concern that they were trying to put this kind of arrangement together and keep out those Burisma years that we learned so much about from Mr. Archer's uh, interview yesterday. What kind of evidence? Now, you're, you're one of your Republican colleagues, Congresswoman Nancy Mace, I'm sure you know her well, she has said people don't trust Congress, that, that they have to, you guys have to have evidence that's so powerful that they'll have to trust that when you put it forward. What, how far in the evidence do you have to implicate President Biden for wrongdoing? The White House says there's still no evidence of wrongdoing of any kind. What do you need? Well, I, I don't look at it that way. I look at it, we're just doing our job. Okay. Uh, and the Oversight Committee is doing their investigation. We're doing an investigation. Uh, we're looking at the Justice Department and the, as I said, the, the disparate treatment, the unequal application of the rule of law, um, based, again, on what the judge said, based, again, on what David Weiss is, can, you know, changing story, literally in a, in a six-week time frame. Uh, less than a six, 33 days, his story changed three different times. So we're looking at that. We will continue to do that work. If it leads to an impeachment inquiry, as the speakers talk about, then that's where we'll go. I don't look at it as like we're trying to get something so we can do something else. That's just the wrong way to do things and not how I view it. I view it as we need to do our job, um, our constitutional duty to conduct oversight um, that is in furtherance of our duties as legislators. And that's what we're focused on doing. All right. Now, obviously, uh, you have been also focused on what you've called the weaponization of the federal government, the, the, the justice scales tilted yeah. uh, against the right, and you've held hearings on that. You recently had uh, a whole hearing that featured Democratic presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. about censorship. Mm-hmm. Facebook is certainly a part of the conversation. What are you, uh, with Facebook, what are you looking to do? Well, we want to protect the First Amendment. That's what's under assault by today's left and this coordination between big government, big tech to limit the First Amendment liberties of the American people is as wrong as it gets. And what we wanted from Facebook and we ultimately got uh, was we we wanted the release of those internal communications like we saw in the Twitter files. And what we what we got uncovered last week was 
communications from the government to the to the top people at Facebook saying take down this material since one of the one of the executives at Facebook, Mr. Clegg, said this is this is quickly approaching on the boundaries of First Amendment expression. Of course it is. And and they knew it was wrong, but they said we're going to do it anyway. We're going to do what the government's telling us to do, censoring American speech, because we're concerned about our relationship with the White House, and the White House is really mad. I mean, that is scary stuff, and it's, it's, it's direct evidence of what Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger, uh, award-winning journalists, called the censorship industrial complex. It's direct evidence of what Professor Turley called uh, censorship by surrogate, where the government persuades private sector people to censor because they're putting so much pressure, so much coercion on those private entities. And that has got to stop because we all know that the, that the, you know, the, the, the big tech and those platforms, that is today's public square. And if you're limiting what people can say in the public square, you're limiting the, the debate and, 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 frankly, the First Amendment. How do you think they should handle? How should Facebook, Twitter, and any of these social media companies handle when people deliberately put disinformation, misinformation, lies about other people online. Should that just be let it out there and let the public decide? Well, that's the First Amendment. But also remember this, they were taking down things that were true. I mean, that's the problem. So many of the things they want, the, when the government's the arbiter of what's misinformation and what's, uh, what's not, what's true and what's not, that, that is scary. That's, that's exactly why you have the First Amendment, because the government gets it wrong so often. And I, I, th- I thought the great line that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. had during the hearing was, uh, you know, the people who are pushing for censorship, when you look at history, they're never the good guys. And that is so true. Let debate happen. Um, but that's not today's Democrat Party. And you saw that in the actual hearing itself. Because remember, at the start of the hearing, the Democrats tried to kick Robert F. Kennedy Jr., their party, their guy, the Kennedy name, the, most, the, the name most synonymous with the Democrat Party over the last three quarters of a century, they tried to kick him out of the hearing. I mean, that, that they tried to censor the witness at a hearing about censorship. That's how crazy it's become for today's left and their attack on First Amendment free speech rights. Yeah, but one of those Democrats at that hearing said that you, the Republicans, are giving a platform and you want a platform to spread conspiracy theories, no matter how harmful, for the MAGA Republican agenda. That's what they say. Yeah, yeah, they say all kinds of crazy things, but uh, conspiracy theories, I mean, they're the ones they're the ones who were pushing the idea that, oh, uh, let's think, well, think of all the things, take COVID, which is something that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was, was being uh, censored a, a lot for, his, his comments about it. But they've told us, you know, they told us that it didn't come from a lab. Well, it sure looks like it did. They told us it wasn't... Uh, um, they told us that uh, it wasn't gain of function research. They told us that um, you know that the vaccinated couldn't get the virus. The vaccinated couldn't spread the virus. They told us that natural immunity didn't wasn't didn't work. I mean, like so many things they told us were just absolutely wrong, and yet they were censoring people who disagreed with the wrong things they were saying. That that's why you you have a First Amendment. <laughs> and you don't want this kind of censorship to take place. All right. And lastly, I know you continue all your investigations. Something else Democrats have said is that all of this is your attempt to do the work for former President Trump, who continues to be under indictment or under investigation, and you're trying to gloss over that. That's what they say. Well, they're wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm doing what, again, uh, 
are part of our constitutional duties as members of the, of the legislative branches, as members of the United States Congress, is to do oversight. Um, and I think we've been proven right. I mean, Matt Taibbi said last week, on, on take the Facebook example, he said what we uncovered in the Facebook files is every bit as bad as what they discovered in the Twitter files, maybe worse. Um, so it's that we we learned that the <clears throat> we learned that the the whole 51 former Intel officials their their letter they put out about the laptop story being being a Russian information operation we learned that was completely false. We uncovered that uh, we uncovered the IRS. Think about this: the IRS, the IRS suddenly changed their policy. They will no longer send agents unannounced out to people's homes. And I think they changed that policy because what we uncovered while Matt Taibbi was testifying about and while he was being pressured by Democrats to divulge his sources, the IRS was knocking on his door literally during the time he was at the hearing. And, of course, now we made an issue of that. We raised concerns with the IRS. And now we find out, oh, the IRS is going to change their policy. No more of those unannounced visits to people's homes. So uh, I think we're making a difference in, in pointing out where these agencies have been turned against the very people they're supposed to serve, we the people, the American people. And we're going to keep doing our work because it's, again, what we're supposed to do under the Constitution. Congressman Jim Jordan, Republican from Ohio, Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Thank you very much for joining us. You bet, Dave. Take care. You too, Congressman. Thanks so much. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast, bringing you closer to the story than you ever thought possible. Subscribe at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. These are the stories that keep you up at night. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.